All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We are excited to have back with us here uh, for his monthly meeting on Talk Erie, it is the county executive, uh, Mr. Brenton Davis. Brent, good to see you, sir. We're excited to be here today, too, Joel. I tell you what. It's a gorgeous, uh, sunny day in Erie. All right. Uh, we're going to start off with something light here. What's a what's a Christmas tradition in the Davis household growing up or, you know, what you do now? Oh, what I do now? <laughs> I mean, I just prepare for the next year's budget. Apparently, on, on on Christmas Day, we work we work every day. So, I mean, for for me, I mean, there, there's just a huge need. You know, we just put out a uh, a thing on my Facebook page about like just any nonprofits, organizations, churches about that have a need for volunteering. I mean, the thing I've done recently, just I mean, the cold snaps over the holidays. I mean, it's it's hard with all these different shelters. I mean, last year, wow. I mean, I just spent time taking blankets around and you know just making sure that all of our overflow shelters had what they need. I mean, and, and last year, if we remember over Christmas, I mean, it was terribly cold. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, blankets yeah, we were, we and were, we were down below zero. Yeah. I mean, we pulled everything we possibly could out of public safety. And, you know, our folks up there, I mean, came in, opened up the warehouses, dug out what we needed. And, you know, I just drove around making sure that people had what they needed. And, you know, being a single guy with no kids, I mean, you just meet the need. Here I am, mm-hmm. send me, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. I mean, there, that's a, that's a great tradition, uh, for Christmas is to do service. I remember mm-hmm. when my kids were little, um, we would go down to the city mission and serve, they want to say we serve breakfast or lunch. Yeah. Right up. They opened their presents and we went down and served lunch. And I think a lot of other things cool. would be like, like just the different hospitals, like the VA hospital, yeah. you know, I mean, I think a lot of folks up there just kind of forget there's some people that just don't that don't have anybody during the holidays. I mean, whether it be the soldiers and sailors, the VA hospital, you know, just your nursing homes. I mean, there's, there's, there's residents, Pleasant Ridge. I mean, you know, we make our rounds and, Mm -hmm. you know, just that might be the only person that they see outside of those that are taking care of them from day to day. Just a quick little couple minute conversation and how you doing? Here's a, here's a little token of something for the holiday. And I think that goes a long way. I mean, there's just a lot of folks in our, in our community and maybe even just to remember your neighbors. I mean, some elderly folks or, mm-hmm. you know, they just don't have many visitors. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can give back. And it's kind of why I did the post the other day. It's on my Facebook page. If anybody has a need to let their organization post it there, you know, or if anybody's looking to volunteer, you know, just to create a platform for sure. people to be able to connect with volunteer opportunities and, connect volunteers with those opportunities so, i mean i think it's a it's a great time i mean any time's a great time to volunteer but uh i think the holidays it's expe- especially difficult yeah. you know when other folks are attending to their families that those of us that don't have 
those same commitments. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a time when we can step up and give back. You know, I've been really impressed with uh, one of the county offices, one of the county um, um, you know parts of the county, which is the Veterans Affairs. Okay, mm-hmm. Joe Bonacci. Uh, I mean, really. There, there's a lot of good uh, going on there mm-hmm. that's county led, and then, yep. and then, and there's a lot of networking going on. So there's private, you know, private organizations. Yep. I think of the the Miracle Net, you know, the Miracle Center. I think about you know where some of these uh, some some of this new housing is coming online for for vets. And um, it, what's the isn't the deal out in Northeast? For so, veterans, so that'd be uh, that's the heir to the Carnegie Mellon yeah. fortune. You know, he uh, his father was in World War II, and you know, he wanted to do something for veterans outreach and veterans wellness. You know, I mean, that's I mean, there's a lot of good things happening. When Joe took over, when I hired Joe, and I made that I made that change when I came in. <laughs> I mean, he's always been a a heck of an advocate for veterans as long as I've known him. And, you know, I, I came in and I really challenged them. I said, I don't want you to look at what we're doing or what the county has done before. We need to look at what it can be. Like, let's set the standard high, you know. And I set the bar really high for Joe and his staff. And, you know, he's completely exceeded those expectations at every turn, you know. And that's what you expect in your leaders, you know, your your cabinet appointments. and And that's the kind of leadership they bring to the table. And it... It elevates the organization. You know, they don't require that amount of supervision. You set the vision, and, I mean, they just pick up the ball and take off running. And, I mean, to me, I mean, that's one of the departments I'm proud of. You know, I'm yeah. proud of all of them. But, I mean, that's that's one thing where I can say it's the difference of night and day. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of veterans' claims that come through there. And relocating the office to the bayfront. I right. mean, it's tripled our traffic, you know. Is that right? There was a lot of folks back when we did that how long ago, you know, there's mm-hmm. I think two folks that voted against it, you know, Rennie and Horton. And uh here we have now we're tripling the amount of veterans that'll go there because you're removing barriers. Like who would have thought of it? Removing barriers for folks to get in there and receive these services. You know, well, they served there, our country. There's something here that could go a long way to even making our community better insofar as if we became attractive enough for veterans. I mean, you think about it. We have a VA that's fully operational. One of, yet the, it, one of the best. One of the you. best in the country. Yep. But yet it's not in Pittsburgh. You're not, you don't have that waiting line like you have in other places. I mean, we could literally, if you, if you were a vet and a vet family – that uh, needed a lot of services. Maybe you have a, a war wound. Maybe you, you know, maybe you're disabled. Moving to Erie to to kind of plant roots here, considering all of the things we've got going on for vets, it really be, would we could be this quintessential vet, uh, you know, vet friendly or a community. Well, I, mean, I would argue. I mean, Pennsylvania by far and large has an extremely high amount of service members in comparison to other states that serve so i mean we already are i would say a veteran heavy state yeah you know but i think there's other things there's a lot of folks that say well what can we do and you know helping out veterans with the liberty house and different things you know veterans in need and and what can we do to attract it and i even said to them like sometimes you need to challenge that paradigm a little bit that's great but 
what about the, and I've asked the question recently, probably over the last year, is how do you challenge the transitioning veterans, what we call in the veterans community, the squared away folks, Yeah, you know, yeah. that are that are ready to hit the ground running, mm-hmm. you know, that they've had successful careers, they're ready to lay roots, you know, they want to start a business, they want to go to college. And I think this step in, nor- in Northeast, that's like the first step to that. Okay. You know, you want to help the veterans in need, but then you also got to be careful because you don't want to turn on the beacon for, hey, come here for these benefits if they're not sustainable. Oh, right. You know, I mean, we've saw that a lot with, you know, some of the city policies that I think are ultimately going to fail just due to the fact that you put stuff forward. If you don't have the ability to control the budget associated with it and you don't have the ability to fund it, you're making empty and false promises to people. They come here and the rug gets pulled out from under them and they're actually worse off. And we've and we've seen that in different communities where you create sanctuary communities, but you don't deliver any of the services associated to your ordinances. And I mean, that's reckless, yeah. you know, so we've got to be very careful with kind of what we promise, okay. you know? So I, I think really marketing with the, the transitioning veterans out of the different service branches, that could be a benefit, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think one area would be like, we've looked at that with like our EMS, right. you know, this EMS authority, how do you, I mean, you look at these military medics, they're some of the best in the world. Right. You know, I mean, I would take some of these combat medics over, you know, a lot of these folks riding around. It's because, I mean, they've seen high level of trauma. They've they've had the training. They've had the real world experiences and they would be able to come in, you know, get certified and hit the ground running and man, our ambulances make a livable wage. I mean, those are ways that, you know, you get these folks that are well, ready to contribute it, it, to the let's, economy. Let's face it, though, that for the. For what do you call it, say? They say the squared squared away vet. There's a lot of competition for that. Well, there sure is because I mean, you know you have law enforcement saying, "Hey, we need vets," you, you know, and so yep. they're competing against communities across the country and, and so on. Absolutely. Right? I mean, who doesn't want somebody that understands a chain of command, that understands how to square away a uniform, that understands how to be a member of a team, that takes care? Of, I mean, there, there's a reason why military veterans tend to do well pretty much anywhere you put us yeah. and and i mean heck I'm, i mean nobody ever thought hey this guy he could run a county you know i got out to be a carpenter and you know my military career started out like any other i was 18 i raised my hand i stood in the footprints and opened up the fire hose you know catch but i mean it it all pays off you know in that that camaraderie between veterans i mean it's an incredible thing it's a small community but veterans people married the veterans sons daughters husbands wives mothers fathers like you know it's it's a great community with a lot of support and i think we'd be selling ourselves short if we weren't marketing erie as a place that you can come and be successful and i think that's just one step in ways and i think this this carnegie era this melon family edition in northeast it has potential to be something great i mean it seems like a huge game changer you know and it could be if done if done appropriately you know and i mean i just caution folks like listen i know you want to help out folks that maybe you want to turn it into a like a homeless style type shelter Mm. but you're turning on the beacon of benefits that says hey move here and everything's going to be okay but you get all the other issues with that and now you're straining a system that's great Mm -hmm. you know you could change things i think we need to be very strategic and very careful and i think we need to make sure that our community makes an impact in a positive direction as opposed to putting forward a scenario that could actually 
harm the system that I would say at the local VA or even the local social services mm-hmm. that are taking steps in the right direction. Brent, let's take a phone call here. Hey, you're live with uh, the county executive on Talk Erie. Go ahead. Hey, good afternoon, Brenton. Good afternoon. Yeah, I got a question for you. Uh, regarding the election division or the vote, what do you call that department there? To... The elections office. Elections office. There you go. Uh, I think I've noticed this like uh, two, three times uh, on the Internet. Uh, you go to the uh, election uh, results, and you got to wait a little while, which is understandable. But then they ha- they have all the uh, write-ins in the election results. They have all the election results write-ins except mine, and I've noticed this a couple times now. And now this last time, I did write in a couple people that were deceased. But is there somebody that uh, do they monitor who's Who's dead? Who's not dead? There have been times when I have written in legitimate living people that live in Erie County, and it does not show up on the uh, write-in uh, results on the county website. So, I mean, do you know anything a, about that, how they do that? So, I mean, I can't tell you definitively, but I've had conversations. I think you have to acquire so many. So, no, I mean, you're not, no, no. Th- it says one. If well, you go on there, there's some people who have one vote. Well, then, I, I mean, I would direct that question to the elections office as the county executive. That's under the council by the Home Rule right. Charter. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I keep completely out of that office because it's not under my purview other than the budget. Uh, um, so, I mean, if you knew, because I even no, got one I, right in vote this time. One. No, I, and I didn't even put, I didn't write myself in. Somebody else wrote me in. And, and, it, and it shows up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Thanks. one vote. It'll yeah. show up one. Vo- I mean, you got to wait. You can't get right. it dead in the night of the election. No, it, I mean, it's no, no. it's after they've it's after they've tallied all those on Friday. But right, that's yeah. understandable. Yeah. But I've noticed that when I write, I wrote in people, so then I go look for the results. At, you know, a week, two, three weeks later, they're never there. Yeah, and I've seen a couple people on there that yeah. have their names misspelled, mm-hmm. and I've all. It, it, I just don't know why mine never show up. But all right, I'll, I'll uh, contact them and that and appreciate run that it by them. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay. Um, yeah. The yeah. Nobody wrote me in. I thought I would. I, I thought Shaney at least would write me in. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Shaney said she'll take take care of me for president. There like you that. go. Yeah. Um. So hey, uh, let's talk about budget and uh so council was kind of patting themselves on the back that they passed a budget with a 0.65 tax increase so from what you've seen it are you able to sign this budget oh absolutely not so oh so i mean so here's what you got to think i mean there's a lot of folks that kind of get into a little bit of a uproar here when they when they hear that council passed a budget i mean it's it's it it's passed through the council body, which means they've taken and put their their spin on it, you know, made their cuts, made their reductions, you know, went through the action sheets, and then hand me back, you know, a different budget than what I proposed. You know, and that's how the process works. So now we have the opportunity over the next, you know, several days, and we have 10 days to do the vetoes like we did last year. And this gives me the ability to veto the action sheets, make single line reductions, you know, wherever. Um, 
so I mean now what happened was is we we sent this down based on all the expenditures increases union union contracts that were accepted ratified by council and signed off by myself all those costs increase a million to the prison a million to pleasant ridge i mean just all these expenses just going through the roof here and they want to reduce the taxable amount reduce some expenditures and they did but i mean there's just a lot of confusion you go through almost 700 page budget right line for line i mean they get confused things happen miscommunicated so i mean there's some things like uh there's 1.2 million dollars in adoption services funding that council had struck well i mean and they did this in an effort to save money or whatever but it's actually 1.2 million in revenue so oh. I mean, so it's money from the state you know, that's a one point two million to help little kids get adopted and go to their families. And well, I don't believe it was the intent of council to to cut hundred one point two million dollars in free revenue from the state and become a barrier for adoption services. So I mean, those so are. So was things, it in and out kind of thing that one? Well, I mean, it it's it's under a professional fee that okay. comes in. Well, they're thinking, hey, line for line, or like there's some cuts to Department of Human Services. Mm-hmm. Well, you start cutting these things. I mean, by law. I mean, these are mandated services. So one, you can't cut mandated services. And then the other thing, and there were some, I mean, there was like a split decision amongst council when they voted on these things. But one, you by law, you got to provide the service. And two, the county only puts forward 20% of these positions. Okay. Yeah. You know, even like the vetoed positions that are, you know, going to court for last year. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. They vetoed a position that was 100% fun, or not vetoed, but they struck a position it was 100% funded by the state. You know, and, and this is the danger of, you know, a part-time council that doesn't know line item for line item, operational, day-to-day stuff. But isn't that incumbent upon your budget director to guide them through this? Well, I mean, do folks always listen? I mean, because, yeah. I mean, they're right in the room and tell them this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And, I mean, you make the decisions and... Anybody who watches it online or is And they hired their own budget. They hired their own accountant. I mean, even their own accountant. I mean, even in this tax increase, their own accountant told them you'd probably better keep it at 0.75 because anything beyond that and, you know, they want to dip into the fund balance. I mean, that's their prerogative. I'd say another thing that I'm, I mean, 100% going to veto is the $800,000 of American Rescue Plan money for the provided For the attorneys, yeah. And, and and it's not that I mean that's something I mean, that, that I, was a that was a big headline in the paper last week. You know, and I and I 100 percent believe in it. I mean, you're afforded a, an attorney to represent you. Yeah. You know, this is America. This is under our constitutional rights. We believe in that. But the thing is, is this comes down to responsible budgeting. You know, it's it's like buying a house with a Christmas bonus in mind. You don't know whether you're getting that, and we know. Like this, like your boss telling you this is a one time Christmas bonus. Mm-hmm. Let's buy a house. That's a thousand dollars more a month than we can afford. Well, we'll figure it out next year. Wow, is kind of what some say. That's not the sound way to plan a budget. I was so confused by that whole thing because we do have a public defender's office, and this is to to be able to raise the salaries for other attorneys that, that so, step so you, in. So these are conflict attorneys. Conflict. Attorneys, so I mean, yeah. let's say for instance. Uh, a person might have a conflict 
with the public defender's office. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. Sure. You know, so, or there might be a certain level of crime, like we don't do homicides in the public defender's. You know, there's just certain parameters that the public defender's office doesn't cover, but the law still affords an attorney for certain sure. folks. So, I mean, the conflicts do happen pretty f- fairly frequently to the point where, I mean, we're allocating $800,000. But And that mind, was the full ask of... Of that department, wasn't it? The 800 100%. So, so I mean, that was interesting that it wasn't trimmed a little, you know? I mean, it, it's just it's just based on use. I mean, there's certain things in government that you can project, you know, and when you look at things historically, that's what you need. But, I mean, it's also the challenge of getting these attorneys to do the work, you know, and, and, and it's sweetening the pot to say, okay, well, you'll work for X amount of dollars, but they're trying to throw in benefits right. to attract because you can't get these lesser desired and I mean, let's face it. I mean, we've got two attorneys in recent history mm-hmm. that are both under scrutiny in the paper. Yeah, you know, or maybe even three recently. And and, um, and you know, it's a big draw to offer healthcare because again, private that, sector folks that they, are out on their own, like yeah. a young a young startup attorney or they maybe somebody early in their I career. I mean, that's a big expense for that attorney. It's a, it's know? a huge savings, especially yeah. for somebody or for a family member. It's a huge cost. Right. For the taxpayers, but you got to do something to create the, the, the talent that you want. Brent, uh, there's a, a story that uh, broke uh, this afternoon here uh, from Erie News Now. Erie County Public Library searching for new director after resignation of peers. The Erie County Public Library processing in the process of changing directors after Karen Pierce resigned. Um, and you, uh, your administration issued a, a bit of a statement there. Can you tell us a little bit of be, what's behind all that? Well, I mean, just different opportunities, you know, folks see it, but I mean, you can't really blame a person. I mean, you come in to do a, a job running a library and kind of what, what do you expect after the, after the public beating over something that's a, a simple misunderstanding between staff, you know, people keep making, I mean, to the point where, I mean, she was the poor lady was threatened at home and you know threatened at work and i mean it's just it's just not what a county employee should expect to endure you know those of us that enter into politics you know you you kind of expect a little bit you know but, but i mean a librarian doesn't expect politics no i mean i mean no no county employee should ever receive threats and you know things of that nature. You know it's it, it's just terrible. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I'm disappointed in the members of this community that that take things to that level where you're gonna, you know, threaten and take after a an, an older an older woman or anyone. What do you think was the trigger of all this? Was it the 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 Pride Month thing? Was it the uh, the Project Neptune? Well, I, I think. I mean, they, I mean, they're they're protesting in front of. Old Maine still, you know, I mean, well, I mean, it's like, you know, three elderly women or whatever. And I mean, it is what it is. I mean, a lot of this, none of these folks can say why they're opposed to this. I mean, I would challenge any of them, you know, I mean, you want to, you're opposed to it. I mean, okay, you got Lorraine Dolan that, that came, you know, and wrote a, her little project, whatever it's in the newspaper today. Minerva. I mean, you and Project Minerva, won't you come on this show and debate me? Let's see what you don't know about what you're talking about. I mean, I'll, I'll lay down the gauntlet right now. You can't win an election, so now you want to control government? I mean, the voters already spoke, number one. But, I mean, if you want to hold this community back, and I take offense to that, 
You know, we're trying to build the economy. We're trying to add research and educational tools into a library. That's what this is for. And if you take a walk down there, I mean, the library, I mean, I can tell you how many serious incidents we've had. Almost, almost three dozen serious incidents to the point where he upgraded the armed security there. It isn't really a family-friendly environment. It's devolved. There's a lot of extra space Why is down that? There. What's going on? Well, I mean, you've got a lot of unhoused folks. You've got a lot of substance abuse, drug addiction, the bus terminal. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of different things where folks know they can go, get free Wi-Fi, access to a computer, the restrooms. You know, And they I mean, start acting out? Oh, yeah. I mean, to the point, I mean, we had almost three dozen police incidents. I mean, we, that's why we upgraded the armed security. So, I mean, the folks that want to talk about the library, I mean, they just don't know what they're talking about. You know, I mean, the, the landscape has changed. The face of libraries have changed. You know, and we, we're looking to modernize this library to, to, to bring in a well-respected local university to add to these things. You know, NOAA with... What my predecessor, uh, Executive Dahl Kemper, started the Marine Sanctuary application. NOAA is taking a serious look at that, potentially for that area for a visitor center. Mm. You're talking that could be tens of millions of dollars. You know, when we talk to NOAA, I mean, what would a 20-year, 30 or 40, 50 million dollar NOAA visitors center and research center look like down in that area with Blasco, with all the amenities, with the Bayfront development? You know, and that's where we've got to think bigger. You know, these folks that think, they're, they're, I mean, it's it's folks. I mean, again, now you've got a, 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 a former councilwoman that quit and another one that failed to get elected, linking arms, peddling false information yet again. You know, and, and that's where the com- community, it's doing a disservice because you're not telling the truth. There's not a single service being cut. And, and I mean, I find it ironic I literally wrote an op-ed that explained all this to the community, submitted it to the Times News, and they refused to print it. And now they're going to print something silly from a candidate that ran a campaign, failed to get elected, and only has 100 followers on Facebook, and, and that's news? I mean, I'm, I'm going I'm to call bullcrap on this right now. I mean, again, this is just the Times, you know, picking and choosing a narrative that they want to feed this community— and it's the status quo that wants to do what they want to do. We are completely with inside the confines. And mind you, at the end of the day, taxpayers are making money on this initiative. Gannon is paying $25,000 a year to utilize that space. And then the, they're peddling that, oh, they get to use these shared spaces for free. I negotiated that lease. That's a falsehood. The lease was initially around several different things. You know, five bucks an hour or five bucks a square foot, whatever it was, was increased to like eight dollars a square foot for that shared space. You know, so you look at these different things. Mm -hmm. They're paying for that shared space, but it's bringing amenities. It's bringing research. It's bringing research students, professors, technology, innovation into a library. There's no children. It's it's not even anywhere near the children's area. Right. The long and the short of this entire project. Yeah, it's project, supposed to be on the east side. So it's of on the, the east side. So yeah. so what's now? So what we'll do is relocate some of those computers. Yeah. And then all these bookshelves that have like five or six feet between them, we're we're, we're getting modern bookshelves that are paid for out of that ARPA money, and we're going to relocate them to the second floor. You know, there's elevators. There's I mean, you go to the second floor and go up there. There's next to nothing up there. So wow. what we're doing is creating efficiencies, modernizing the services, 
and and that's what we're doing. You know, you take these bookshelves that can kind of collapse on each other back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're smart shelves. They sense, I mean, Gannon has them in Nash Library. Right. And, you know, we've worked with a lot of different librarians from Gannon, different consultants, you know, our librarian staff. And, and this is how you create those efficiencies. So by utilizing underutilized space, you're adding amenities to the library. So all these folks that are out there protesting, all these folks that are signing petitions, I mean, they're being fed a line of garbage. It's nothing but lies coming from Mary Rennie and now Lorraine Dolan, anybody that's behind that. You know, they want to come on here. I mean, I'll invite Rennie and Dolan. Come on here. Let's let's show the world what you really know. I'm throwing down the gauntlet right now. I mean, you can, let's do it. But you're not going to come because you don't have the facts to back it up. I got to ask you, and I, and, and I, I I'm just going to say it, and you, I'm, it's coming from a, mm-hmm. a, a level of, of respect, but do you feel that you're, you're, you get these obstacles, you get these challenges, is it all antipathy of you? I mean, are just people don't like Brenton Davis, well, I mean, I these think, people that are, that are making such hay? No, I don't think, I mean, t- to me, I've noticed it very plain and clearly, you know, and I get this all the time. I mean, it, it comes down to, let's take a look at the EMS authority. You know, you've got several, say, some of the, the council members that are coming on. I mean, I hear statements. They're like, oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand squarely in front of this. If politics in our community have devolved to the point where elected officials and community members are going to stand in the way of funding ambulances to save lives, we're working to increase the response time you know or decrease the response time so increase the efficiency of local ambulances make it cost less when 40 percent of erie county has any it doesn't have an ambulance when and where you need it that's 40 percent. so 40 percent of the time four calls out of 10 that you come into 911 there's not an ambulance readily available in your community and that could be anywhere that could be the city of erie two blocks from here because if emergent care is running a call out into harbor creek or northeast you might live three blocks away from the hospital and not get an ambulance. You might be better off to crawl on your elbows and your knees to the hospital. You might get there faster. If folks, if politics have devolved to the point where you so-called want to stop the Davis administration from a win over ambulances, what does that tell you? I mean, to me, that's all you need to know. It, it, this is about politics. This is about a young guy that ran on a Republican ticket and came here to challenge the status quo, the business as usual. And I've done it every step of the way. Yeah, it agitates these folks. It's the ones that have been lying in their pocket for decades. It's the money going into these silos and not getting to areas in the community. And when you come up and, you, and, and you're a guy from the outside, you come in to bust up their little party, of course they're going to stand in the way of it. But I mean, to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter with, what do you have to show for it? You, you look at where our community's at, and I, I'm going to ask anybody listen to this. I mean, that is why I ran. I didn't need a job. I say this every day. I mean, I was retired once. My business did well. I used to spend winters in much warmer places. And now here I am because it's worth fighting for, you know. And if they want to stand in the way of things like ambulances and education and workforce development and stand in the way of bringing more businesses here so, like, our kids and our grandkids and and great-grandkids can do better. I mean, at what point? 
at what point do members of this community, I would say the rank and file members that aren't affiliated one way or the other, you know, see the errors like I do in both political parties? Mm-hmm. And at what point does the average voter look at this and go, I see this for what it is? You know, and it's 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 the status quo. I knew it was going to be there. I mean, I said it even as a as a candidate. Yeah. What's scary to me, though, it, yes, it, it, the voters absolutely are going to be swayed either way or what have you. But I'm concerned about the business community because there's so much energy happening in the private sector. I'm thinking about EDDC. I'm thinking about Erie Insurance. I'm thinking about the entrepreneurial ecosystem and all the things yet you know when and and i think i it was maybe lath wardy that said if you don't think that site selectors and other influential national people don't listen to talk radio or don't read the newspaper and won't you know they'll see that article about the the scuffle out in west county or the scuffle over the library and they'll say you know i don't want i don't want any of that and, and that, that's just going to hold us up and lead us to a, 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 a place of not having the growth that we could have the potential for. This is a great place to live, yet we've got to, you know, we've got to have uh, everybody. Well, I mean, you know, I mean th- you there'd know, be one up. thing. I mean, Lath Wardy and I have about as much in common as night and day, you know, but I mean, I would agree with him on that point. I mean, right there, I mean, that's the ability to, you might politically disagree on things, but find common ground. And that's one example. Yeah. I mean, you've got to look at this. What, what, what are these folks costing us? These obstructionists in our community, what are they costing us? I mean, what is controversial about wanting to bring opportunity? What's controversial about investing in a community college? What's, co- I mean, you can't show me anything that my administration has put forward, number one, that hasn't made it through council. You know, we put forward common sense things that has bipartisan support in accordance with the law. You know, and and we say this all the time. There's this great big outcry for so-called transparency, you know, by these obstructionists. And they're they're very few. You know, the newspaper covers them, one, because it doesn't support their agenda. Two, just simply because controversy sells newspapers i mean the more controversy i don't know who's buying that anyway but at the end of the day i mean most people are reading it online and that's what's keeping it on life support but you know these obstructions what are they costing our community you know they're, they're costing us opportunities but i can tell you i mean where i would disagree with uh Lathy's assessment would be i mean we just brought you got kiosera 150 million dollar investment a, a direct result to Penn State Barron, the investments of Project Resolve, taking notice of what we're doing. You know, we just had uh, Dabmar Industries from South Africa in here. We had Bill Lyman that was in here on the show, a California wave energy company. Um, I've had several conversations with other wave energy companies and uh, had, a, had a Zoom meeting a couple days ago with another company from Spain, you know, near Madrid. You know, they're taking notice of what we're doing. And so, I mean, I would say, I mean, is some guy in California, you know, looking at that? I mean, I think even Bill Lyman sat right here in his chair next to me and said, hey, listen, like, I'm an outsider. How on earth are you going to fight this effort in your library? Like, as an outsider, yeah, they see it. But I think people that aren't from Erie aren't going to play the BS. Like, they're not going to get involved in the local scuffles. Yeah. Yeah, is it going to, do they want to deal with Mickey Mouse government? Mm. But, I mean, they're going to look, this is the opinion of, 
a, a several obstructionists, you know, just trying to stick it to the the current elected administration. And I mean, it is what it is. But even somebody from California, an extremely liberal place, looks at this and goes, why on earth are you doing that? Mm. You know, so I mean, I think people, they're intelligent enough to read between the lines. I, I don't think this narrative by far and large represents any any majority that's out there and that's the thing about this you know former mayor sin and i were talking today about this you know it's it's not how democracy works not every single person gets to voice an opinion on every single thing in an elected body or committee you exercise your voice through your vote that's that's where you exercise your voice and it's not to say that you can't speak at a council meeting or whatever but a handful of people, the three people standing in front of Old Main protesting this. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to stop a community of 300,000. Like, that is not how democracy works. You know, I mean, I don't get to call up the president every day and go, what the heck did you do, Joe? <laughs> you know, I don't get to call up Governor Shapiro and say, why can't you get something passed? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just not how it works. Um, let, let me ask you, uh, we've we're got a couple more minutes with the county executive. Where Where does this... Uh, you know where does this budget land? You know what what are the what's the what are the mechanics? Um, you get to weigh in on your vetoes and things, but what happens from here on out? So now we're going again line item for line item, matching the expenditures to the revenues. You know we've got a. Does, we've, is there does the the lawsuit have anything to do with this year's budget? I mean, I don't think the lawsuit has anything to do with anything. I mean, that's their attorney giving them misguided information and okay. costing taxpayer money. I mean, again, that's that's more bad bad political advice given by an attorney to a, an elected body. I mean, I look forward to that. I mean, it's an unfortunate part. It's going to cost the taxpayers money on both sides of but that. If they cut dollars on on a what do you call it? One of those action steps. Mm -hmm. And you add it back in, let's say for so, travel so, or whatever. How does that all so, work? So out? let's let's talk about that. I mean, this is a pretty simple process. Okay. So when they say that the county executive can't add money to a budget, I mean, you're not adding money to a budget. So let's just let's just use you have a ten thousand dollar line item. Council sends down an action sheet and they say we're going to reduce this to five thousand. Well, if I veto that, okay, does that go to zero? No, the veto. So they have an opportunity to override with five votes. There's a process in place, and this is precisely why they're going to lose this lawsuit. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Anybody with an eighth grade education, maybe a sixth grade education, can read the Home Rule Charter and see there's a process for five votes. You failed to override my veto. Ten days later, it becomes law. So this will happen again, you know, next week. When these vetoes go down, they need five votes to override anything that I veto. If they fail to exercise that, it becomes law. So that $10,000 item that they that they strike to 5,000 and reduce, if I veto it and they get four votes or less, that remains at 10,000. Okay. And that's why those positions, that's why the vetoes from last year, they all stand. So I mean, I mean, I'm just disappointed that they followed that kind of advice. It's gonna cost taxpayer money, but I think that's a testament to maybe that it's time that they, they look for different advice. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, I guess uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. We wish you uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Wish you well. We'll see you in the new year.
You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>